you're a guest with us this morning, a special welcome to you. Love diving into the Word with you guys every week. It is such a joy. And I don't know about you, but every time I hear the Word, I feel like God is talking just to me. Do you guys ever have that experience? Like the timing of God's Word dropping in your life is perfect, isn't it? So what I'd ask you to do is join me in prayer as we dive into this really challenging message series on Job this morning in the Easter season. Why don't you pray with me? Uh, Dear Jesus, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for being the God who doesn't stay far off, but who gets down in the dirt with me. God, my life is full of it. It's full of challenge and dirt and struggle. And you know that. And you love me so much that you dig down in the dirt with me. You get there and get your hands dirty and lift me up. And I praise you for that. I thank you for that. Christ, as we study Job today and that story that you've had in our spiritual lives for thousands of years, I just ask that you teach all of our hearts more of what you are and who you are. Remind us who we are, that we are yours. And we ask you again to come, to come and speak, to come and dwell in the temple of your people as you've made us to be imperfect waiting on a perfect Savior who loves and cares and leads. In your name we pray, and together we say, amen and amen. So the series on Job begins with the story. The story of Job is an ancient one, and it predates predates Abraham and Moses. It goes all the way back to the beginning, and sort of the synopsis of the story is the idea that Job has this perfect life. He's got a wife and a ton of kids, and a ton of cattle, which back in those days was an awesome thing. You were really wealthy if you had lots of cattle and livestock and a big house. And all the angels in heaven were gathered around one time, and uh, Satan, the accuser, came and decided to, uh, to, to do a little bit of an experiment and say to God, God, if you will take away all the cool stuff that Job has, he will turn on you, basically, and he'll curse your name, is what the accuser said. And so God was like, Okay, I'm going to call you bluff, Satan. Let's go ahead and play this game. So they get into it, and he allows, God allows Job's life to be taken away from him. All the stuff he has and all the people he has are taken away, and even his health is taken away, where he's reduced to this guy who's really pitiful, has these itchy, oozing, gooey, nasty sores all over his body. And do you remember what he would sit and do? He would scrape them with a piece of pottery because it was so nasty and so itchy and ooey and gooey and awful that he would just sit and scrape himself with pottery all day long and bits, uh, uh, broken bits of pottery. It's almost like he was covered in big mosquito bites and he couldn't ever get the mosquito bites to stop itching no matter how much he scratched. Well, the interesting thing is, is the story includes a bunch of angels in heaven gathered around a big screen, kind of watching all this action take place. Now, they're not actually watching on a big screen. They're kind of peering down through the clouds and seeing it. But for our purposes this morning, it's practically like that. It's as if they dialed up the life of Job on YouTube TV and they're watching it in real time. They're watching him lose it all, and they're watching him kind of grovel before God. And then Job has these three sort of pseudo friends that show up and try to comfort him in air quotes. It doesn't really work out that way. The good news is, is the end of the book of Job is full of praise for God. 
and is full of uh, consolation in God's grace and in his purpose and in his power. But Job struggles like you and I do all the way through this book, the whole long book of Job, the question of why. Why would God allow me to suffer? Why would God give me a trial? Why would God let me go through something that's difficult and painful? And I would suggest the reason why we have the book of Job in the scriptures today, even as, you know, 21st century Christ followers, is because you and I are not that different. There are times in our lives when we have suffered through something and we've attempted to try to minimize the effect of that by scraping our own wounds, by treating ourselves and trying to avoid the itchiness and ooey gooey nastiness and pain of that by treating ourselves, where God comes along at some point in that suffering and speaks. And the question becomes, when he speaks, do we hear him? Do we know it's him who's speaking? Do we recognize his voice as sheep recognize the voice of a shepherd who loves them and cares for them? That's kind of the premise of our message today is the question of why and why do we suffer? In fact, why, if we even have a great life like Job, do we find ourselves suffering? There's a bigger spiritual answer to that, along with the physical answers that God provides. I want to draw your attention to one of our focus scriptures for today, and that's Romans chapter 5 on the screen behind me. I'm just going to read the first part of it. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, in other words, since we've been made right with God simply by believing in his son Jesus, not doing anything, but by just trusting that Jesus makes us right with God, we have peace with God. And this is not an if, that maybe that we have peace, but more the spirit of the scripture is let us have peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith, meaning that you and I can directly reach out to God at any time in our life. And there's nothing standing between us, even if you sinned just five seconds before. If you boldly choose to sin five seconds before and in faith, you reach out to God through Jesus, which means by believing Jesus died for you on the cross and then rose again from the grave for a brand new life for you. Even if you sin and turn and trust in Jesus and reach out to God, your father, the scripture says he's there and you don't have to perform to get the presence of God. He's standing by already there in full presence. We've gained access by faith to him into this grace in which we now stand. So the idea is that you and I understand the basic words of the gospel. We understand that Jesus died on the cross, right? We understand that if we believe in Jesus, he really physically died on the cross. We also understand that he rose again from the grave. We believe that. We also understand that he ascended into heaven. Today, he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, as we say in the creed, right? We believe and trust in all those things. And now what? Now what do we do with ourselves when we understand that academically and yet we go through suffering? How do we deal with that? 
I want to show you these as hopeful answers for you. The big and there I put in bold in Romans chapter 1, verse 2. And, take a look at this, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, I want to ask you to open your heart to God in this moment. Look at the first thing that happens before you ever get to the subject of suffering. God has called us and enabled us to boast. Now, what does it mean to boast? Boasting is kind of like bragging, right? I had a friend that called Facebook brag book. Why? Because we put all of our best self on Facebook for everyone to see, but we don't put the nasty, dirty, awful stuff behind the scenes on Facebook. At least we shouldn't, right? Hint, hint, wink, wink, right? Use Facebook properly, right? But the idea is putting something out there for all to see, even if it's good-hearted and good-natured. We share the things that we like about what's going on in our life, and we share that with other people. That's what boasting is in this sense, is the idea that we have hope in the glory of God. God has given us the ability to share with other people that God deserves and ultimately achieves his own glory. God is good. God is light. And the Bible defines God as love. And there's nothing that we can do to stop God from showing the world how much love he has and is. God's love will always prevail. It will never fail. And so we get the opportunity to share in that and to share with other people how much love God has for us. That means we have hope in the future that God has prescribed for us in Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're a follower of Jesus, what's going to happen to you when you die? Somebody said, whispering behind me, that we're going to go to heaven, right? What happens to our bodies? They're put in the ground, and then someday we believe those bodies will be resurrected, will join Jesus in the air, the Bible says. We'll be reunited with God, and how long are we going to live after that? forever. Now, how can something as absurd as living forever exist? Because we hope in it. Not that we hope it will happen as if it might not happen, but we count on something happening in the future that we cannot see. That is hope through faith. Does that make sense? So we get the opportunity to boast in that hope, meaning we get the opportunity to publicly share with other people that we hope and know that God will save us in the future as he saves us now through Jesus. He will resurrect our bodies and bring us back to life. We can share that and make that public, that faith we have. And in fact, through Jesus, that is what God calls us to do and gives us the ability to do, as we'll see here in a couple of minutes. But the idea of the glory of God includes not only what can God do for me and what will God do for me, but it also includes what God has done for the entire world. God made the world and everything in it. And the Bible says that one day he will return again to do what? to redeem the world, to buy it back through Jesus. 
and to restore it to its perfection that he created it with. Let me ask you another question. Is the world you know perfect? Maybe Hollywood would try to convince you that it is, but you know that it's not. You know that the world you live in is tainted by sin, which follows suit with suffering. People suffer in the world. You saw the church in Sri Lanka get attacked this past week and hundreds of people died. In what place do hundreds of people who worship a loving God like Jesus get killed in the middle of their worship? A world that is tainted by sin and suffering. All you have to do is look online to see evidence of that, right? This is the same world that Jesus is in command of and will return one day to redeem. And the word redeem literally means to buy back from things like suffering, pain, and death. And by his own suffering and death on the cross, Jesus accomplished this. Now, you have to be a certain age or have a certain amount of music history acumen to be able to recognize the gentleman on screen. They are from a band called Def Leppard. You guys are so good, especially because the name is also on the screen. But here is Def Leppard in 2019. And the reason I draw attention to them is in 2019, just a couple of weeks ago, Def Leppard received induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, if you believe that Def Leppard deserved to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, just go ahead and throw your hand up. I think that's worthy of, of honor, right? But Def Leppard has a certain amount of fame, right? And what you could find in this story is that there's a certain amount of glory that's been apportioned to Def Leppard after all these years, 35 years after they took that first picture, they're now inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But what you're going to find interesting about this is that the gentleman over here on the right, Rick Allen, is missing an arm. And the reason is, after they got started with, uh, with their band and with their fame, and particularly after they released a certain special album called Pyromania, Rick Allen, the drummer, had a horrible car crash which took his arm the car flipped over a wall in England, and somehow the arm got severed and left behind as his body left the car. But the reason I draw your attention to this is that Rick Allen had the opportunity through his suffering to quit what he was doing. And yet he didn't. And later, about maybe a year and a half, two years later, they released one of the most popular albums of all time in rock and roll history called Hysteria. This is with the drummer with one arm. Now, Rick had the opportunity to quit, but here's what he looks like.
Now, even with both of my arms and both of my legs perfectly intact, I can't do that on a drum kit. When he lost his left arm, what they basically had to do was replace that arm with some pedals that he would step on his, with his left foot. So he was able to maintain that perfect rhythm, near perfect rhythm, with just one arm and two feet and some modifications. But then you see the same band receiving the glory of God up on stage, as it were, their God, whatever it might be, as they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They became famous back in the 80s. And with the difficulty of the loss of that arm, they never lost that fame. And they never stopped pursuing what it was that took them to fame and glory. I would submit that in a similar way, Jesus did the same and accomplished worldwide fame. The reason I want to share this with you is it's simply another way to think about the glory of God. Look at what is said by Tim Keller in a book he wrote called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that can really destroy you. That is being cast away from God. And put separate from God. He took that so that now all suffering that comes into your life will only do what? Make you great. A lump of coal under pressure becomes a diamond. And the suffering of a person in Christ only turns you into somebody gorgeous. Now turn to the person to your left or right and remind them how gorgeous they are. Just go ahead. There's no shame. Say, hello, gorgeous. Now, if it gets weird, that's on you, not on me. <laughs> but what I want to remind you is this, as we look at the scripture that comes next in Romans, is the idea that not only do we get to boast in the hope of the glory of God and his fame, the fame of God, where God receives induction into the perfection hall of fame through Jesus. Not only that, but we also glory in our sufferings. In other words, our sufferings become something of glory. Not our glory, but the glory of who? Of God. So God's fame is made up and impacted by the power of our own sufferings. So when our sufferings and our failures and our weaknesses are shared, whether it's on Facebook or not, when they are shared, it contributes to the glory of God. Why? Because God overcomes suffering and sin and death. And when people see that in us, that God has overcome that in us, it lifts up his fame and gives glory to his name. It makes him more famous. And the scripture says when that happens, it produces perseverance. In other words, not quitting, but staying after that which God has called us into. And perseverance then builds and leads to character. Character simply means that that perseverance and the tendency to quit starts to go away. And we stay with it by nature. And then that character breeds hope. And I would suggest this. As you sit and you look at the suffering of Job and as he scratches himself with pottery and asks himself the question, why? And God, why would you abandon me? I would submit that the reason 
He suffered. And the reason Jesus suffered and the reason you suffer and the reason I suffer is for one reason only, and that is for hope. So that the world may understand what hope is and look at the glory of God and have faith. What is hope? The Bible says coming from suffering and perseverance and character, hope leads to the glory of God. And in so doing, it does not put us to shame, verse 5 says, Romans 5, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So what, what were we saying here this morning about suffering? How are we wrapping up this idea? Three things. One, it doesn't give God pleasure to watch you break. It doesn't. God doesn't look at your brokenness and say, awesome, look what I did. He doesn't. His heart breaks with you and for you. The world he made around you is broken. And you, my friend, are simply in that world. You're not made of it which means you are already redeemed and remade. The world around us, that's on God's agenda. And Jesus is coming again to make it right. You and me, we don't have to wait. We're already redeemed, every one of us in this room. And that is why Jesus came. That is why Jesus endured suffering. He doesn't know suffering any less than you do. In fact, he knows it more because the place from which he came to choose suffering on your behalf is so much higher. And yet he gave it up and laid it down so that you and I could know him for one reason, one main reason above all, and that is hope. We trust in the hope of God, because it is the glory of God we look forward to, his fame. It's as if he had a star on the, on the Hollywood Walk of Fame that lifts his name high. This is a real star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, by the way. Jesus does have a star. Why? Because he's been betray portrayed in so many films that Hollywood thinks he's famous. You and I know that Jesus is famous for other reasons and one main reason and that's hope we hope in him not with a hope that is a maybe but a hope that is permanent is proven and is predictable we can trust in him with that hope and that's not just on sunday for an hour but that's on monday when your boss is crawling down your throat. It's on Tuesday, when your kid is screaming and breaking everything in sight. It's on Wednesday, when you lose your job. It's on Thursday, when you find yourself in the emergency room. It's on Friday, when your mom passes away. It's on Saturday, when all your investments go south in the market. And it's on Sunday, when you don't feel like getting up to go to church, but you do anyway. Because someone planted in you a hope that cannot be destroyed. And his name is Jesus. 
Would you pray with me? Christ, you are so amazing. We love you so much. You've given so much for us and put so much into us. Take the deposit of faith that you placed in each of us and grow the hope that you've placed in us through your Holy Spirit so that it may contribute somehow in some small way to your fame. You're already famous. Let your glory shine ever more in me and through me and those I love. I confess, God, that sometimes I forget about how good you are. And I receive from you your forgiveness again because of Jesus and his great power to overcome it. I love you and thank you and worship you. Now hear my voice as we sing. In your name we pray and together we say, amen.